Hey you, happy Sunday. Today is a really exciting day because it's August 26th and today's the last day that Happy Keto Body, my 12-week video training program for women, is open for registration. We weren't actually planning on opening up Happy Keto Body again until 2019, but so many of you have said, ah, I missed the last launch. I want to go through this 12-week program with you. Um, so we opened it back up. It closes today, August 26, 2018 at 11.59 Pacific Time. So there's still about 24 hours left from the time that this show goes live for you guys to sign up. So chat with your loved ones, see if it works with your schedule and whatever you need to do to make it happen. If you grab any of the lifetime memberships, so either the lifetime membership or the VIP membership, you get access for a lifetime. So if you need to go at a slower pace, you can do that. And also one of the benefits of the lifetime access with both lifetime and VIP is that anytime we update the program, you're going to get all those updates. So we just added over six new videos, a bunch of new interviews and downloadable content because a lot of our members asked for an adjustment specifically with menopause content. So perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause. I even interviewed my mom for one of the spots because she is a strong independent courageous lady and she had a lot to say about what happens when you turn 60 and all of the changes that occur not only physically but also in your day-to-day -day life with your relationships um, how you see the world so I'm really excited to be adding that to happy keto body and we'll continue to add to it as time goes on I'm really proud and excited about this program and I'm happy that we can launch it again and if you are interested in joining you can head on over to happyketobody.com and when you sign up as a VIP, you also get coaching calls for the lifetime of the program as well. So we're going to be starting with a new set of coaching calls with Dr. Nina and myself. So if you're a Happy Keto Body VIP, watch your inbox because there will be another set of calls sent out to you with a full schedule so you can join us with all of our new VIPs too. So you're listening to episode number 100 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Today we're chatting about the two hormones that dictate the role of other hormones in your body, hating your period, the types of period pain you could experience and what that means, and so much more. You can grab the podcast extra for today's episode by going to healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash E100. And one cool thing is that it's episode 100 today. I can't even believe it. Thank you so much for listening to the show, sharing with your friends. And I'm just so excited to be able to celebrate this milestone with you. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to the Keto Diet Podcast, the show all about keto for women, so you can burn fat, balance your hormones, heal your body, quickly adapt to a ketogenic diet, avoid common struggles, and get the results you crave. And now, here's your host. You might know her as the Keto Queen. She's the international best-selling author of The Keto Diet, founder of Happy Keto Body, and she loves dipping pork rinds in avocado oil mayo, Leanne Vogel. Nicole is a certified women's health coach and the creator of Fix Your Period, a series of programs that empower women to reclaim their hormone health using a method that combines simplicity and sass. Her work has impacted the lives of hundreds of thousands of women around the world in effectively addressing a wide variety of period problems, including PMS, irregular periods, PCOS, painful periods, amenorrhea, 
and many more. Nicole is also the co-host of The Period Party, a top-rated podcast on iTunes, and she's the creator of the Institute of Integrative Nutrition's Hormone Health Continuing Education course. Nicole is one of the guests featured on Happy Keto Body, where we chat all about fixing your hormones in detail. This lady is brilliant. She contributed such a powerful resource to our Happy Keto Body members. Now, for more information about how hormones affect your metabolism and why it's so important to work toward balancing your hormones, if you have my digital program, The Keto Beginning, you can head to pages 22 through 24. And if you have Fat Fueled, basically that entire digital book is going to be great for you. It's focused solely on healing. Okay, let's jump over to this interview. Hey, Nicole, how's it going? Hey, Leanne, it's really good. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited that we're chatting again. You were actually a guest in our Happy Keto Body program that's open for registration right now, and you were phenomenal. I loved our interview. Thank you. I did too. It was amazing. And we're here to chat all about things like hormones, women, cycles, all the things. But the first question I have for you is, what does healing mean to you? Oh, it's a big one. <laughs> I think healing or my views on it are twofold, actually. I think first it's understanding the interconnectedness of every system within your body. And second, it's the deep knowing that no one is going to take care of you better than you. I really believe that healing ourselves engages every aspect of our being. So physical, emotional, mental, social, spiritual, all the things. And, uh, you know, when any of these aspects are unbalanced, we're going to probably suffer in all areas of our lives. And, you know, what this really means ultimately is that vibrant, abundant health comes from so much more than just eating healthy food. So it's really multifaceted. And I just feel like we're our only responsibility and it's our job to take care of our bodies and achieving your highest and best health uh, starts with prioritizing your health above all else. And so that is ultimately uh, the mind sh mindset shift, I think, that needs to happen and puts you in the driver's seat and empowers you to make change and ultimately heal. And with that mindset shift, I feel like people just forget about hormones with the whole health stuff and they actually don't know how powerful these things are and the stuff that they can do. Can we just touch on like why hormones are so important to our overall health and wellness? Oh my God. I know. Yeah. It's so true. I kind of think that hormones need a bit of a rebrand. Yes, <laughs> Don't you? Yes. Right? I mean, when you think about it, most women, they say to me, well, I think of hormones in relation to, in relationship to something negative like PMS or menopause. And they're actually these incredibly cool little molecules that deliver messages from one endocrine gland to another via the bloodstream. I just feel like that's a highly tuned conversation and that alone is worth writing about. But we don't even realize, you know, you're hungry, it's your hormones. You're full, it's your hormones. You wanna have sex, it's your hormones. Or you feel tired, same thing, it's your hormones. We don't even recognize all of the work that they're doing behind the scenes. And as you all, you know, and all your listeners know, uh, it all starts with our endocrine system, right? So it's made up of a variety of glands that communicate with each other through these little chemical messengers, the amazing little molecules, hormones, and they're going to regulate basically everything. I feel like 100% of what we do is governed by our hormones. I think again, like I was saying about healing is recognizing that everything in our bodies are interconnected. And I believe the endocrine system is a great example of that. 
the hormones, the glands in your endocrine system, they're like this symphony. They're just, they're playing in tune in order for us to be in a state of vibrant health. But you know, when one player in an orchestra is off key and it's the same as like when one hormone bears off course, the others follow suit and then this whole system goes awry. And I think that that's what we don't even realize because sort of conventional medicine and um, the specialization of medicine has led us to believe that every system in our bodies, whether it's our nervous system, our endocrine system, the musculoskeletal system, our digestive, our reproductive systems, they all operate autonomously. And of course, as you know, this isn't this couldn't be further from the truth. And in fact, hormones that are secreted by these glands in the endocrine system basically impact everything, like I was saying. And you know, I really like to think of the endocrine system as a system within a system. And I, I talk about it like uh, when you think about a, a country's flight map, <laughs> when you're tracking someone's flight, for instance, we've got these regional, we've got domestic, we've got international flights, and they all have different destinations, but they're all sort of using similar routes dictated by this air traffic control. And in your body, it's very similar. Your brain is command central, like air traffic control, and it keeps all the systems working in tandem so that your body is functioning optimally. So I kind of like to, to describe it that way because ultimately our hormones, they don't exist in a vacuum. And you know, just like those pilots in those planes, they're talking to each other all day long and they're talking to air traffic control too. So it's really something where we need to look at uh, you know, the bigger picture and what's happening and these all of these little conversations happening on, on you know on the regular and Again, if one goes off track, uh, we end up having problems with a whole lot of others. There's like this whole downstream effect. So it's really important for us to consider hormones when we're considering our health. If we don't, uh, we're missing basically the biggest piece of the puzzle. Yes, the biggest, the largest piece of the puzzle. Like it, and it's so frustrating. First, I love the analogy of music and hormones. And you know, if the trumpet player is playing a different song, it doesn't matter. That's that that's not going to sound right. And it's just one trumpet player, you know, like even the little triangle, if it's doing its own thing, it's not going to sound like the best music. I love that analogy. And oftentimes I find the, probably the biggest thing is women are like, I can't lose weight. I've been on insert diet here, insert thing that you're eating or doing to get that back. And if your hormones are messed up, yeah. No matter what you do in that regard, it's not going to help. You need to look at the hormones. Would you agree to that? Is like, if your estrogen is too high, good luck losing weight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or your insulin, which is a hormone too. I, you know, I call insulin and cortisol the big guns because that's really what they are, right? They're the ones that are going to dictate so much of what happens to all your other hormones, sort of the tier two hormones, I suppose you could say. So yeah, like I talk to women about this all the time because like you said, so many women are just talking about wanting to lose weight. And I'm like, well, it's actually so much bigger than that. And that's really where I, uh, you know, I think the problem lies is coming back to this conventional medical perspective that, you know, everything is sort of siloed off and, uh, you know, they don't, they're not talking to each other. It's not true. Yeah. And would you find, because you do hormone work all day, every day, um, especially for myself, like it took 
like four solid years to like get my hormones in a good place. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a big commitment. Do you find people think like, okay, so I'll do this thing for like 30 days and then everything will be fine and my hormones will never screw up again. Do you find that that's a common misconception? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like a huge problem. And I I think again, it's like our, our idea that there's a one size fits all approach or that we can create this quick fix. And ultimately I think that women are, you know, they've been fed this story that they need to, that they can do something for a short period of time, like a diet, I hate that word. Uh, and they'll be, and it's, everything will be fixed. And unfortunately we can't fix hormonal imbalances with a quick injection or a pill or, uh, you know, a 30 day crash diet. It just doesn't work. And so, yes, I'm, there's a lot of re-education around how bodies function and how after for instance, if you've been on the pill for 15 years of your life, I usually say to women, well, you can, uh, you can basically give yourself about a month for every year that you've been on the pill for healing. And so I'm like, expect 15 to 24 months of healing after you've been on a pill for 15 years of your life. Uh, so yes, like that, there's definitely re-education. <laughs> and you said of healing. So I went off the pill in 2007 and I didn't get my period back until 2015 because I wasn't actively working on it. Like you have to work at healing your body. It's not a matter. Would you agree? Like you go off the pill and then you just keep doing what you're doing. Like there needs to be a healing protocol in place to help your body along to healing, not the damage, but just like healing yourself to a place where your hormones can become regulated. Would you agree? Oh, totally. I, you know, I think that we don't even realize how much we're slacking on our healing protocols if we are involved in one or we don't realize like what it actually will take. And I think, again, that comes from a society that tends to push uh, medication instead of actually putting on our detective hats and looking a little bit deeper. And so I find that, you know, women... Unfortunately, what happens is women who are struggling with hormonal imbalances or all the symptoms that come with them, period problems, etc., they feel like their bodies are broken or their bodies have betrayed them or they're just misbehaving. And that to me is a huge issue because they're not even in the right frame of mind to start actually healing their bodies because they, they're, you know, that, that, that. I believe that mindset is has its origins in a doctor's visit or multiple doctor's visits where they've been told they have XYZ, oftentimes at a really young age, and then they they live for 10 years sometimes or 15 years with the belief that they're doomed and they're never gonna have babies naturally or they're never gonna have a normal healthy period and you know they or they've been told that everything they're experiencing is completely normal it's just a natural part of being a woman which is really relatable <laughs> so there's yeah, so there are a lot of different problems with all with the scenario as it is right now and i you know i'm constantly saying to women that you have to flip this script because it's a very common but potentially damaging belief and you know while i haven't maybe experienced their exact symptoms i can definitely relate to being in that place of disempowerment and misunderstanding and i'm always saying to them that their bodies aren't actually broken they're working exactly as they're meant to they're talking to us in their own language and they've been again fed this myth that that's not true so it's it takes a lot of like i said re-education and so with this broken body um do you feel like that is what's holding a lot of people 
back, like I, I, I notice, I notice that a lot of women have it all figured out, but the stories in their head stop all the things from working. Do you notice that in your work too? Like how powerful the brain is in either getting something you really want, you never thought possible. Like some of the stuff my brain has allowed me to do like is crazy. Like I believe it. It happens. I'm like, what just happened? Um, but other times, if you believe those negative things, do you find that even with hormonal imbalances, that that story and those those conversations we're having with ourselves create that broken body when it's not actually broken? Oh my gosh. Yes. A hundred percent. And I think again, coming back, I feel like I'm bashing the current healthcare, healthcare model, but you know, whatever. Uh, it's just designed in a way that the woman who is suffering with these symptoms is taken out of the equation of her own healing. I mean, how can you ever have a positive mindset around, around what you're trying to fix with your body when you have been completely disregarded? You're given a diagnosis based on a set of generic guidelines. Uh, your unique biology and your lifestyle are hardly ever taken into consideration when you're diagnosed and there's a treatment plan that's presented to you. I think that women are labeled and generally categorized instead of having their symptoms looked at from the perspective of their individual constitution. And in addition, women tend to have this fear-based relationship with healthcare providers because they're often afraid to ask questions about a specific condition or explore alternatives to a prescribed medication or a treatment recommendation. And I think that that is a huge problem, a really big underlying problem for why women feel so disempowered and so broken. It's, you know, it's this one-size-fits-all approach to uh, treatment that I just, I consider to be modern medicine's biggest flaw. You know, where no two women are alike, no two periods are alike, no two sets of hormones are alike, and what's normal for one of us is certainly not normal for the next. And I think when there's all this variation out there, the current model, the current paradigm doesn't work. And it leaves us feeling like there's something wrong with us, that we can't fit into that box. Mm -hmm. And I even noticed that too, uh, with the keto space, for example, and I'm sure yeah. anyone that eats any sort of eating style following any sort of program can relate of with keto, there's a box. And if you fit into that box, you're keto. And if you don't, you're not keto, you're fake. Yes. keto. you're all the things that people call me on a daily basis. But it's like, my keto has to be different. When I was eating that standard ketogenic approach, I was really sick. Like I was very sick. I would not be keto today if I would continue to eat like that. I probably would look like Captain Luke Picard because my hair was falling out like constantly. Oh I wouldn't gosh. be getting a period. You know, all those things, it just didn't work for me. And I think when we get stuck in those boxes, that's where no healing can happen. We're not listening to our body. We're filling everything with, well, I should do this and I should do that. And they told me I have to do this. And it's the same thing. You know, when the, uh, I, I met a very cute endocrinologist that told me if I just went on hormone replacement therapy, all my problems will be fixed. So I did the, the patches and the pills and like nothing helped. And I just gained a lot of weight and felt miserable and actually went like mentally crazy. But you know, you trust these people or you trust these keto um, people that say, just do it this way. And it'll be great. And my whole thing now is like, if anyone says step one, two, three to happiness, it's like, I'm going in the opposite direction. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But that's, I mean, but don't you feel like that's just a learned experience though? We, you, 
we are almost automatically inclined to follow the step one, two, three to happiness. Yes. Yeah. We don't ever, we're not taught to question it ever. No, 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 yeah. no. It doesn't matter who it is. If they look, if they look healthy, happy, hot, whatever the thing is that you want, if they've got it, you're like, I will follow you. I will do whatever you say. And I, I, I try to be so conscious of that on the show and the videos and the book and of everything of like, I don't have it figured out. <laughs> Yeah. And this is just my body and bodies of other clients and, and what I've learned. But I mean, no two people are the same. Like no two people. It's, it's crazy. And also, I mean, some people might get quite terrified of that of like, but how can I figure it out? Your body has the answers. And I think that that's what's so cool about all this is like your body wants to be healthy. And if you give it the tools and you listen it all just kind of figures itself out. Would you agree? Yeah, totally. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I feel like we, that's exactly it actually. And funny, funnily enough, and you know, coming up with answers to what you were going to, we were going to talk about today. That was it. It's this, that we have, we have everything we need. We just don't even realize it. And again, we've been so disempowered on the journey so far that we just, we stop listening to our intuition. I always have women, you know, I always talk about this concept of body literacy. And now I've started talking about period literacy and what that actually means. And it's, you know, it's so fascinating to me because basically body literacy is this term that was coined by Laura Wurschler. She's an advocate and activist. And she observed in women, you know, in, in third world countries or impoverished, impoverished countries that they, you know, they didn't have regular literacy, like they couldn't read. So that was preventing them from moving to the next stage in their lives. It was keeping them stuck, impoverished. And she noticed, she compared women in the Western world or in the first world and recognized that we also have our own illiteracy and that's this body illiteracy. And it's the understanding that, or it's the lack of understanding of how our menstrual cycle works, how generally our body works on a month to month basis. And that was keeping us in a state of disempowerment. And I feel that that's the case for not only body, our bodies, but our periods too, that go hand in hand. And we're at, the, we're at that point now where I think women are demanding answers. They're no longer even asking. They're just pissed. And I know you probably have the same thing too. They're coming to you asking a bazillion different questions, questions that really should be reserved for a medical professional, a doctor, but they're just at the point where they're just not getting the answers that they need. And so here they are on our blog, on the podcast, you know, on Instagram, asking medical questions, sharing test results, yeah. just trying to find someone who will listen and hear them. Yeah, that's it's like so heartbreaking and you really have to become your own advocate and just continue pushing until you find the healthcare team that will work with you and respect you. Like my doctor now, the first question she has is like, how are you doing? And then I list off things that might be good or bad. And she says, why do you think you're experiencing those things? And she's almost like coaching me through finding the answers, even though she's a doctor and she could just be like, yeah, well, here, here's a prescription. Do your thing. I think that's so cool. And she's like, works with me to discover how my body can be better. And I, oh, so it's just cool. like, it's great. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like that's amazing. And you never, ever hear that, right? You no. hear of women being dismissed and shooed out of their doctor's office or shouted at or ridiculed mm -hmm. or insulted. And I'm like, how have we gotten to this point where it's not okay to question, to ask questions, just yeah. ask questions. Yeah. And I think one thing that I'm noticing of a lot is the, the fat phobic 
area of medical care. Um, So a woman comes in with, you know, she's been missing her period for a couple of months. So she's having really painful periods. And she says to her doctor, like, this is the thing that's happening. And their their only recommendation is, well, just lose weight. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you are in your body's happy weight, that can be very challenging to navigate when you actually have health issues and you're trying to get the support you need. So I, I don't think that we're Um, providing an answer for anyone listening. It's just, it's a frustration that all of us go through. And I think the main takeaway is you need to be your own advocate and keep pushing and just keep asking questions. I always, I kind of, I kind of say, I say to women all the time, like you would never put up with a bad haircut ever. Like you wouldn't, you would go to another hairdresser or you would ask for a refund or you'd have it fixed, whatever. Why do we continue to put up with bad service from doctors? We're paying them. I love this. Right? Isn't it so true though? I have gone to multiple salons in one day fixing the monstrosity that was my hair in Vegas. It was horrible. Like, oh, they dyed it like a pink color and the undercut was wrong. The triangle was on the opposite side. And it's like, I went everywhere. Like I, it was a whole day event. (laughs) Exactly. Right? We need to put that kind of effort into our healthcare. (laughs) I love that. I hope you're totally digging this episode. I love putting these together every week and I hope you're getting something out of it. I love seeing where you're listening from. So next time you're listening or even right now, take a picture of yourself watching the show or a screenshot of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram at Healthful Pursuit. And if social isn't your thing, that's totally fine. Just jump on your favorite podcast player and leave a review for the show. Okay, back to the good stuff. Let's talk about the period because when I tell people that I had no period for eight years, they're like, oh, you're so lucky. What I would do to not have a period. I hate, I hate my period. I hate everything about it. Why? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Where do I begin? You know, as a teenager, I experienced the worst kind of period pain and that's how I got into this work that I do. Uh, you know, the blackout vomit inducing kind that keeps you in bed for a day or two. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, good times, good times. And I think that that's part of the problem. Obviously for a lot of women, they have a lot of symptoms and what saved me, can't even believe I'm going to say these words is the pill. Of course. <laughs> it, totally, it totally wrecked my hormones in a whole other way. And eventually I ditched it in my twenties, but that was really what got me out of that cycle of horrible pain and heavy, heavy periods that, you know, and the horrific fatigue and just the mortification of leaking through my clothing, you know, you may as well leave the planet if you're a teenager and that happens, like you may as well. And so ultimately, you know, those, those extremely painful, so bad you want to tear your hair out cramps came back after I was on the pill because I hadn't really fixed the underlying problem. And so again, it was calling me to pay attention. And so I think that this is it, right? Is that we're never viewing our period as, you know, as my friends, Emily and Kelsey say, the fifth vital sign. And, uh, you know, they're a pair of doulas and they created a company around your period being the fifth vital sign. And I think it's really amazing because it's actually considered that by the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. And we don't even see it as that. We just see it as a royal pain in the you know what. And ultimately, it's it shouldn't be. So from a young age in our culture, we're never ever taught to celebrate our periods ever. And so instead it's sort of shrouded in secrecy or shame or complete mortification. 
I, you know, we don't talk about it at all. I mean, I don't know, like, do you, do you know, like about other women's period stories? Because when I hear other women's period stories, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's really, that's rough. I actually asked people to share on Instagram the other day. And this poor girl talked about being in a white swimsuit on a boat with all of her friends. I think she was 11 or 12. I know, right? You know where this is going. I know where this is going. (laughs) And she said it came and there was not a single pad or tampon in sight. Obviously, they were on a lake all day long. And she was like, I cried for the entire time. And there was no way to get off this boat with like 25 girls and their parents. Oh my gosh. It's so embarrassing. And there's so much shame around that. So like, you now hate this thing. Like- Exactly. You go into it from the get-go, hating this thing. Well, even your parents. Like, I know I, I, I grew up in a Catholic, very strong Catholic house. And, oh. like, we just didn't talk about those things. And going to Catholic school, it's, like, it's, it's a very different education system. And so we were, like, it was shameful to have, you know, tampons and pads. And I used to have to be so secretive about it. And right around that time, like, in the late nineties, they started decorating all the tampons. Remember like with all the like cool colors and I thought it was so cool. And I wanted to like put them in my pencil case, but that was like not something you did. Like, you know, it's just so shameful. Like how dare you have, you know, a period and even ads now. I mean, they're still like using the blue liquid to like Oh my gosh. It's really, it's so bad. It's so because God forbid we talk about period, we show period yeah. blood on yeah. TV. That is, <laughs> that is really blasphemy. I had a similar experience, what you're saying about putting it in your pencil case. I had pads in my backpack because they were really cute. They were like purple and pink and whatever the covers. And I was so sure I was like a period psychic. I knew my period was coming. I don't know if maybe I was spotting or what was going on, but I just had them in my backpack in case. And a friend found them and she was like, what are these? Are you on your period? Did you get your period without telling me? She was so upset and totally shamed me. And I was completely mortified. I mean, like, what do you do when you're 12 when that kind of stuff happens? Yeah, it's the worst. Anyway, (laughs) good times. Yeah, yeah, it is totally. So how do you how do we remove that shame? And, you know, (laughs) so I found the diva cup and I've been so excited about menstrual cups. Like, I just think it's the coolest thing. Had I had this when I was a teenager, I would have loved it too. But when I talk to my sister and my cousin, my cousin's uh, 20 years old and my sister is almost 30. And like, I'm very comfortable with my body and I think periods are awesome. When I told them how a menstrual cup worked and the fact that you have to fold it and like insert it and like you see your flow like right in a cup, they were like gagging in their mouths, couldn't even handle it. And I'm like, dude, it's your body. Like, what's a big deal? Do you see that too of people just being like, I just, I just can't even. Menstrual, menstrual cups, for whatever reason, are extremely triggering for people. No, really, just... They're so bad for people. I don't know what it is. Like I, I had quite an experience with my diva cup back in the day when I tried it out, and I, you know, subsequently tried some other cups, but for whatever reason, it's just not my thing. I could probably try again, but I, I don't. I feel that women really do have a visceral reaction to whether it's a menstrual cup or period underwear or just seeing their blood in general. And so honestly, it's exactly like what you and I do. You just have to keep talking about it. I talk and talk and talk, and I cannot believe how much things have shifted in our society in the last couple of years. Like in, I think 2015, uh, NPR called uh, 2015 the year of the period. And I felt like that, that 
uh, you know, kicked off like this whole barrage of period related news and media. And, you know, now I see so many people talking about periods. I, I feel like women get together in these moon circles and they talk about them there. And, you know, so I just feel like I keep blabbing, running my mouth. <laughs> and people are definitely becoming more comfortable, even men are, but it's still considered super taboo. I mean, Thinks did an, uh, a survey recently on asking whether it's appropriate for us to talk about periods in the workplace. And something like 65% of men said absolutely not. And so we're at the point where we're I think we're on the precipice of really having a profound change in our cultural view of periods. But of course, it's not only us in the West. I mean, it's far, far worse in countries like India and Nepal, where women are literally, you know, I had a woman reach out to me the other day. And so she recently got married. She's living in her parents, her, her in-law's house, as is the custom in India. And she was like, my mother-in-law has told me that I can't touch the drinking water. I can't go near where they store the drinking water when I'm on my period. She's like, I didn't grow up this way and I've never heard of this before. And I've tried every single way to talk to her about it. And she will have nothing to do with the conversations. She's like, these are my beliefs and that's it. And so we talk about not being able to talk about periods in the workplace and women in other countries are facing far more insurmountable obstacles when it comes to just being on their period, whether it's, you know, menstrual care and, and protection or uh, their lives, like in Nepal, where they finally banned women from uh, not being forced out of the house to live in huts for the time that they're on their period. But, uh, you know, now that's been banned, but that practice is still very much alive and well. So there's across the board, there are, you know, really huge challenges that we face. Yeah, I was I was reading that some cultures like ban them to those huts um, because we're most intuitive during that time. And these tribes like allow these women to like be intuitive. So I think is there like a difference between banning to them a to a hut because ew and like banning them to a hut so that they can like make the decisions for the tribe? Um, yeah. I can't remember what tribe it was or where it was. I know, I'm curious. I, yeah. You know, I, I think there's definitely a difference between the menstrual hut and the red tent. Yeah. And yeah, right. And so the, the red tent is what sounds like you're describing, where, you know, that's a time that of real reverence. And so you're in that space for that time, and you're not really allowed to do anything. You're not working, you're just kind of reflecting and doing your thing with your girls, which would be so great. Oh, oh my gosh. Tell right? me it's red tent. Up. I'll be there. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna get my period in about 10 days. Look at us. We're all synced up. That's so cool. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I mean, so that's really the idea around the red tent, but these women in the menstrual hut, I think it's a whole different story from my understanding. It's very much like a cultural, uh, culturally taboo time. And you are, and I think what's most upsetting is that women have died in these huts. They've been bitten by snakes or they've been attacked by other animals or they've been raped or sexually assaulted. So it's just like, there are a lot of different problems associated with that and so i think that uh it's quite different to say the red tent thing that you're talking about yeah this tribe now yeah i'll have to look it up i remember reading it in some hormone book i see you know when i first got my period after eight years i was like why did i want this back it's painful and horrible and as my hormones got more balanced it's become a lot more manageable to the point where my last period i was like was that even a thing? Like it happened, but I didn't feel anything. And that's like the best. 
But I always imagine like that first day of the period, it's almost like I'm being reborn into a new woman. Like I will never be the same woman again. Like this is like, I'm getting rid of the old stuff. I'm building up the new stuff. I'm going to be like, this is my time to just like sit, watch Netflix, hang out for a couple of days, reflect. And now I'm going to be like, I don't know, like a new butterfly. And I just keep, keep going and, and seeing it that way and having that relationship with it. I look forward to it. It's like this new refreshed Leanne. I'm going to be version number 572. Let's do this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I love that. I, it's really a thing, you know, and I think that that's, that's really, we're, we're literally as women missing the miracle of our existence in a way <laughs> in that if we're, if we're not in a healthy relationship with our menstrual cycle and, you know, I, and I understand, I understand though, you know, like when you think about period pain, for instance, it's actually one of the top causes for women to miss work after sick children. I mean, this is a huge problem. I mean, we have something like the stat, the last stats that I had were something like 84% of women in their twenties have painful periods. And something like 43% say they have pain with every period. And then there's like, I think it's half of women are incapacitated by their menstrual cramps. And so their ability to do their jobs and just go about living their daily lives is affected. And so obviously for women, when I see that, I, you know, we have to start to explore more and women don't even realize, you know, that there's, there's different types of period pain. And so that's something too, that we, we really need to educate women about, you know, we have primary dysmenorrhea and dysmenorrhea just means period pain and uh, secondary dysmenorrhea. And so primary is just basically related to your period. And it means that uh, you know, there's no pelvic pathology. There's no endometriosis, uterine fibroids, or cysts, for instance. And, you know, a lot of the time, uh, primary dysmenorrhea is just linked to excess inflammation or high levels of inflammation and prostaglandins, which are these hormone-like substances that cause our uterus to contract. And, you know, they exist in all our human tissue, which is actually potentially why a lot of people feel pain in other areas of their bodies when they do get their period and not just menstrual cramps, like they get menstrual migraines, for instance. And the idea here is that, you know, we need to start to look at what could be causing these excess prostaglandins because we don't just, we're not just born with them. And, you know, what's like, what's causing that? And the biggest driver I've seen again and again is our diet. And that's why, you know, and you too, I'm sure that we're, we start there. That's the best place to, to start when it comes to addressing these kinds of symptoms that women are experiencing. And so those prostaglandins, there's a large amount that's released when we start to shed our lining. And that, and that's really what is, you know, again, triggering a lot of this pain for a lot of women. And, uh, you know, there's other things as well, obviously like endometriosis and there's uh, uterine fibroids, uh, adenomyosis, which is a condition where uh, the uterine lining actually grows into the muscular wall of the uterus. So it causes that wall to thicken and it causes these really heavy, painful periods. And so there's, you know, there's a lot of different causes. And so I think that we really have to figure out what it could be that's causing, causing the pain or causing other symptoms. And I'm using pain really as an example, just because it's the number one complaint that women come to, come to me with outside of PMS. And, and I, so I think that again, it's, it's a, it's not wonderful, but it's definitely a marker. It's telling you that something is up and we have to start paying attention to that. And so I, I always say, you know, like 
if you have period pain that's disrupting your life in some way, then that's something you have to look at and you've got to see a doctor to determine the cause of your pain. You know, endometriosis is one of those conditions that we have, you know, I, was, I did an interview on my podcast, The Period Party, yesterday with a woman named Maya Dusenberry, and she wrote a book about uh, women's pain and how we're being ignored in the in medicine, really, and by doctors. And it, it's just, it's startling. Like, women are, are sent home in mid-heart attack with anti-anxiety medication. And women who have endometriosis are, are continually told by doctors that they're just over-exaggerating their normal menstrual cramps. And so we, like you said, right, we really have to become huge advocates for ourselves. I know, look at your face. God, like, that just like <laughs> blows me. I'm like, wow, my gosh. Oh, <laughs> it me all so much. I know, oh, it gets me so bad. It's ridiculous, but that's totally what's happening. And, you know, for me, like, uh, you know, coming to back to keto and, and just our diet, I sorry, refined carbohydrates and sugar out of my diet was like the number one thing that I did. Like refined carbs, flour, sugar, all of that was like the best thing I could ever have done and taking more of a paleo, uh, higher fat, higher protein approach to my period. It helped with basically everything like PMS symptoms, this horrific period pain I had. And, you know, I was, I wanted to mention this too, that I, you know, like fat absorption was, is a big problem for me. I have like some genetic variants on uh, certain genes, like the carnitine genes that I, uh, you know, cause, or I don't know if they do for sure. I mean, that's kind of the general consensus is that they, you know, they play a role in fat absorption. So moving the fats from outside the cell membrane into the cell so that we can produce energy. And what happens if you have a lot of these gene variants is that, you know, carnitine or, you know, you have, a, you have insufficient carnitine in the body and then fats will actually oxidize outside of your cell and potentially cause inflammation. It's like, oh, this makes so much sense because I've always been prone to, uh, you know, really severe period pain, like I said, but joint pain as well and like headaches and things like that. So, you know, I've really had to address that in addition to changing my diet. And, you know, I'd love to chat more about this because I feel like this is a really big thing for a lot of women. Huge. I, yeah. Genetic testing is good. Like, this is going to change the game. Like mark my words, two years from now, like I, I just got an Everly Well kit. Have you heard of these? Mm -hmm. And you can like prick your finger, send it off and they can tell you all of the things and they're doing DNA stuff and they're doing like regular blood work. Like this is the new frontier. Like, and it's so cool that now, you know, okay, so now I know this about my body and no amount of like bending and flexing your eating style probably would have told you that exact detail that you needed. I mean, yes. oh, it's going to be so good. Uh, we could talk about this forever, but where can people find you if they want to learn more? Oh, yes. My website is NicoleJardim.com and you can find me on there. I have a blog. It's got a bunch of information on that. And then also on Instagram and on Facebook, I am Nicole M. Like Madeline Jardim. I love that. And we'll include all the links that you just mentioned in our podcast extras, which you guys can find at healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash E100, 100, crazy. And um, thanks again for coming on the show, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me, Leanne. This is awesome. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again next Sunday to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life.
The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be confused as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcasts reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.